Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. Go ahead ahead and pull out your notes and your bulletins, if you will, if you're going to take notes. Um, If you are younger and you'd rather take notes on your device, you can actually download our app And there are notes in there, and you can fill in the blanks right on your phone, and we can show you how to do that if you have any problems. We've been on a summer series called called Guardrails, and uh, what are guardrails when it comes to driving a car? Well, guardrail is a system uh, to prevent you from getting into a really bad accident. The hopes are that you would bump into the guardrail, and instead of going over the cliff, or worse yet, over the bridge into the water, Um, So guardrails are a system to help us, uh, maybe we'll do a little bit of damage, but prevent us from something far worse. And we've been talking about putting guardrails into our lives to keep us from wandering off the road morally, relationally, and spiritually. And our definition of a guardrail is, a guardrail is a standard of behavior, get back there, that becomes a matter of conscience. In other words, they're behaviors that you lock in, and when you lock it in, the Holy Spirit comes into agreement. So when you bump into it, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're headed to trouble. Amen? Uh, let me give you an example. There's probably at least somebody here in this service that you don't own a credit card. And the reason you don't own a credit card is because you once owned a credit card, and you really love the fact that you could walk into a store get anything you wanted, slide the card, and walk out. Like, this was the greatest thing since sliced bread until one day you look at your credit card bill or perhaps multiple credit card bills, and you said, I'm ruined. And somehow you maybe worked your way out of that. Maybe you had to declare bankruptcy. I don't know, but, but you, you've set up a guardrail in your life. When you get a credit card offer in the mail, it goes straight in the trash can because you're not going to repeat that behavior again. You understand? Now, all, all of our guardrails are not always in the same place. Like our guardrail with credit cards is we pay it off every month. That's our guardrail. That if I were to put a balance over the next month, it would be like beep, beep, beep. Something, something wasn't right. You understand? So we don't all have the, the same guardrails, but everybody needs guardrails. Are right, you listening this morning. We have established an important point uh, concerning guardrails and your need from them. And that point is this. The world dares you, baits you to live right on the edge of disaster. Example of that. Uh, Ran across this this week. On TV shows that teenagers tend to watch, in other words, shows that tend to attract teenagers, there are over six scenes an hour that involve some type of sexual content. The world is baiting our teenagers to start exploring in sex. Come on. Is that not true? The wise person says, I'm not going to live on the edge of disaster because if you live on the edge of disaster, you're one step or one decision away from falling off the cliff. I'm going to put some guardrails into my life so that when I bump against them, it gets my attention and allows me some room to get back on track before I fall off the cliff. Can you say amen? Amen. Now listen, I want to take a look at 
just for a moment. This isn't really our text, but I want to take a look at the scripture in light of how it applies to guardrails. Jesus said these words. Therefore, say therefore. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, notice key words, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Is that not why we're putting guardrails in place so that when the winds blow and different things come our way, our attention has gotten and we can stand firm? Because notice the other option. He goes on. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams blow, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. How many know there's been some people that weren't ready for some of the financial issues that came their way, and they crashed? How many know there's some people that didn't have some some guardrails to protect their marriage, and some things happened? and their marriage crashed. I don't want that to be you, church. Amen? So today, the message that I bring to you needs to be heard across our nation. If we as a nation were to put these guardrails in place, it would affect poverty. It would have a huge positive impact upon our inner cities. It would affect the amount of people who are in prison. It would help keep health care costs down, and it would bolster and protect the family. Now, what I'm going to talk about this morning, I think you're all going to agree, is good for your neighbor, but I'm not interested in if it's good for your neighbor. The question is, is it good for you? You will surely say, I want my spouse to abide by what Pastor Ed said. You'll surely say, I want my kids to abide. I want who my kids date to abide by this. I want my mother and grandmother to abide by this. But will you? But will you? How many of you ever heard, matter of fact, I think that's an answer there somewhere. You may consider today's message great for others, but will you do it? How many of you have ever read the, uh, the Old Testament prophets? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, maybe there's, a lot, there's other the minor prophets in there. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but like people like to come and hear what they say, but nobody did it. You know, Isaiah preached for over 50 years and there's not any evidence that one person ever listened to what he said. You know, that's possible in church. Amen, pastor. And you go out and just do your own thing. The danger of that is you have to suffer the consequences of doing that. And I want everyone in the house to be blessed. And I know when you do it God's way, you'll be blessed. And I know if you put some guardrails around your life to protect that which is important, it'll save you from a lot of pain. And that's what I'm trying to help you with. Come on, somebody. So what we're going to talk about today is sexual purity. Turn to your neighbor and say, put on your seatbelt. Yeah, and my concern, again, is that you may hear this, agree with it, but will you put it into practice? Now listen, every area of our life where we have desires, we need guardrails. Desires, many desires that we have in and of themselves are not bad. It's what happens when we run wild with those desires. Come on, somebody. How many of you know we have a sinful nature, and that sinful nature doesn't care what you do with those desires? That's our battle right? Uh, how many of you have desires to buy things? be honest. I mean, some things you need, but some of us, there's a lot of things we want. And what happens if you don't put some of those desires into check? You end up with a lot of stuff and a lot of debt. Come on, somebody. How many of you have desires to have friends? We all do. 
But you start hanging around with the wrong crowd, you end up going in the wrong direction. We need guardrails. How many of you like to eat? Come on, we're Pentecostal. That is just not true, all right? How many of you like to eat? Come on, somebody. Hey, uh, a few months ago, my uh, wonderful wife, Rachel, become a health, became a health coach, and I felt like uh, I kind of got convicted a little and said, you know, I need to be your first client, all right? So, so my wife is, is, is helping me to get healthier, um, but my problem is sweets. I mean, when I go down to the diner and look in that dessert thing, it's not like, which one do I like? It's like, I like them all. Which one do I like the best? You, you, know, you know what I mean? And, and, but, you know, I'm learning. Just because you have a desire doesn't mean you have to say yes, right? Now, listen, there, there are some areas in this area of guardrails that you can look back in your life and kind of laugh off. All right, maybe, maybe a couple months from now, I'll be able to look back and say, man, thank God those 40 pounds are gone. I mean, I didn't drop dead of a heart attack during the process, but I'm healthier. I can kind of laugh it off. You know, you, you can get into some financial trouble. Maybe you look back years ago, uh, you know, you ran some credit cards, you paid them off, and, and it wasn't fun, but you can look back and laugh, it's over. Uh, some of you uh, in school, you know, you look back, you laugh now that, you, you know, you went through half the school and you never learned anything, but somewhere along the way you got serious and you got a job and it's all good. And, and you know, some of our things that we mess up and we can look back and laugh at, but in this area of sexual purity, Man, this can destroy your family. This can destroy your life. So, so poke your neighbor and say, pay attention. You need this this morning. Would you do that? Okay, let, let me tell you three reasons. Three reasons. And I, and I, and I, and I missed a verse here. I, I want to go back before I talk about those three reasons. Okay, here it is. Galatians 5, and 23 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, now, now listen, this is really important. Now, I realize I can say to all of you this morning, you know, try to control yourself better. But if I do that, whose strength are you gonna have to rely on to do that? Yours, your strength. Okay, but if self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, in other words, as we pursue Jesus we have strength to say no to things that we couldn't say no to in and of ourselves. Then, then the answer to this is really not me spanking you to get all these desires in control. I mean, we're going to talk about that this morning. But ultimately, church, I believe the more we pursue Jesus together and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, one of the outflows of his working in our life is our ability to say no to that which is going to destroy us because the Spirit of God has given us the strength to do what we could never do in ourselves. And when somebody says to us, man, you have incredible self-control, make sure you say, man, that's just what God is doing in my life. Because I, my self-control isn't that strong. God is doing something in my life. Can you say amen? amen? Romans 8, 8 and 9 says this. Those controlled by the sinful nature, in other words, desires out of control, cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Let me help you with something. If you're born again, the Spirit of God lives in you. So he can help you in this matter. Amen? In this area of sexual intimacy, listen, you don't just need guardrails. 
You need like triple reinforced steel, concrete. How many of you would agree with me that we are living in a society where sex has gone wild? One of the evidences of that is people are now identifying who they are by their sexual preferences. First thing, I am a, first thing comes out, something, something. Not like I'm the husband of Rachel, I have four wonderful children. In times going past, our identity was more tied to each other. But now in a very individualistic society, people's identity is being tied to their sexuality. And can we just be honest for a moment? Come on, sex isn't the biggest part of our life. Hello. I'm gonna try this side, this side's, this side, come on. Sex is not the biggest part of our life. A lot of other stuff that happens, right? So, so why? Why would, why would really the devil seek to push that to the forefront? Because he wants desires running wild. And if that's true, and it is true, then how much more do we need guardrails in our lives? Can you say amen? Now, the world would tell us that sex is only physical, just a physical act. But the truth is, it is physical, it is emotional, and it is spiritual. And let me give you three reasons before we narrow in on some guardrails concerning sexual desires. Three reasons why God created sex. First of all, sex is the final seal of a lifetime commitment before God of two people to to each other. Okay, listen. When I do a wedding, they may become legally married when I say I now pronounce you man and wife, but in the eyes of God, they become one when that marriage is consummated. That's when the two really becomes one. You understand? I have, I have an old friend who got married, and the man would not consummate the marriage. For whatever reason, she didn't know this, and uh, you know, they were really never married. Their marriage was annulled because the marriage was never consummated. You understand? How many of you with me? Okay, let's take a look at a verse in the Bible here just to make sure you understand that. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become, when do they become one flesh? At the consummate, okay? Um, you, somebody says, well, well, who does God think he is to set these boundaries? Listen to me. He's God. He, he's God. And we talked about this last week or, or a couple weeks ago. What happens when you take morality out of the hand of God and put it in the hand of man? Then what is right becomes what is right in everybody's eyes. And the line gets really crazy as we are seeing in our society. Amen? Number two, sex is the means by which we procreate. In other words, through sex, we have children. Amen? Um, I think we'd all agree that children are best raised in a home with a father and mother. That's, that's the ideal. Now, some of my heroes in life are single parents who aren't single necessarily because they wanted to be, or maybe they're, they're, they're uh, you know, taking in foster children or whatever. I admire any single person who works, takes care of kids, and does everything that two of us do. You understand? But how many of you know in today's world, with free sex, either you end up with a lot of abortions or a lot of children without father in the home? And that's not God's ideal. And what I'm saying is, understanding that sex can produce children, you need to take that seriously. Can you say amen? And then thirdly, sex is to be enjoyed in the context of a marriage. How many of you know sex is not sinful? It's actually God created it. 
with, with his own boundaries. All right, Hebrews 13, 4 says this. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. Now, if you're guarding it, what are you doing? You're putting guardrails around it. God desires a firm line against casual and illicit sex. So you say, well, that's easy for you, pastor. You're married. Okay, let, let, me, let me tell you the whole story. I got saved when I was 18, got married when I was 24. How many years is that? 24 minus 18 is? I'll turn, I'll turn to the physics major, all right? There we go. Six years, all right? Well, when I got saved, I knew what, what the Bible said about purity. I was serious about following God. So I said, God, I'm going to keep myself pure. So what do you do when you're a young man with sexual desires? I, I mean, you keep those desires surrendered before God. Come on, somebody. And then after 23 years of marriage, my first wife, Rhonda, passed away. And so I'm single again. And uh, there was about three years, a little over three years, between her death and Rachel and I's remarriage. And I recommitted myself to keeping myself in marriage. So I know a little of the struggle I've been through. And I can say this, it's not always easy, but the God who saved you is able to keep you if you'll just keep those desires, surrender to him, and allow yourself in his presence to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, one of those fruits being self-control. Thank you, amen? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 says this. And notice it says 18b. There's some words missing from this, the first part of this verse that I'm going to point you to in a moment, all right? All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? All right, listen to me. There's things that nobody would consider doing inside a church. That's a church, not, not inside the church. Not to get lovey-lovey inside the church. Let's keep it holy. Well, friend, you are the church. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Come on, somebody. Are, are you listening this morning? You, you are. Uh, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, you can do with your temple whatever you want. You have a free will. But not everything is advantageous. And not everything will bring the blessing of God. Can you say amen? Now, now let me bring you back to the, the, the first part, 18a, that's missing, all right? And it says this, flee, say flee, from sexual immorality. I've entitled today's message, Run, Baby, Run, from this part of the verse. Because what do you need to do from sexual sin? Say it together. Run, baby, run. Run. You, you might laugh about some other falls you take, but you won't laugh about that fall, right? Now, now listen. Do, do you want your husband to listen to what I'm saying right now? Yeah. Do you want your wife to do this? Do you want your kids to do this? Yeah, but it has to start with you. You see, in our culture, we are not, caught, we are not taught to flee. We are taught to flirt, Flirt your way to the edge of disaster. Flirt your way until sexual desires are greatly stirred. And then what are you going to do then? Then it's really hard to back those things down. Put some guardrails around it. Think of all the TV shows and movies 
where sex and affairs are glorified. I mean, when's the last time you actually saw a married couple getting romantic in a movie? When's the last time you turned off your TV because you said, I don't need this junk? How many remember uh, when, when this show used to be around? Uh, what is that? That's, uh, that's Psy on Duck Dynasty, all right? And I remember watching an episode of that, and Psy was out in a rowboat with his granddaughter and his granddaughter's boyfriend. And in the middle of the lake, he decides to talk to them about the purity of their relationship. And this was great because his granddaughter did not want to hear what grandpa had to say. But what are you going to do when you're in a rowboat in the middle of the lake? He's like, have you guys committed yourself to sexual purity? I mean, like, you know, if you know Cy, he doesn't hold back, right? And they're in this rowboat. It's like they got to listen. But thank God for our grandfather who wanted to see his granddaughter do things right. Amen? We live in a culture that baits you to have sex. They, we live in a culture that simply says, wait until you're ready. What does that mean? I thought I was ready to drive a car when I was 11. Hello. That doesn't mean I was ready. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, and 20 says this. You are not your own. You were bought with the price. What is the price that was paid for you? Jesus paid in his own blood. Therefore, say therefore. Honor God with your body. Now listen, I thank God for forgiveness. This message is no way intended to bring guilt upon what you did yesterday or what you did in your life prior to knowing Jesus. Thank God that's all under the blood. Thank God you're forgiven. Uh, there are plenty of people who I have met over the years who came to Christ that were exceedingly uh, uh, What's the word if you're very, not mischievous, but in the area of sex, it's uh, promiscuous, thank you. Uh, very promiscuous in their life prior to Christ, and it's on to the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. You're saved. You're his now. And now your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Amen? Hebrews 13, 4. Let me get there. It says... Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed, say those next two words, kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Okay, have I made my point yet? We live in a culture that's gone sexually wild, but God has called us to a higher standard, of which we would do well to put some guardrails around that and protect that. Amen? All right, let's talk about some guardrails that would be a good thing for all of us to put in place. Three guardrails. I won't be long. Stick with me. Here's number one. Guardrail number one. It says, I will not look upon that which stirs sexual desires within me. In other words, if I'm looking at a person it may not be dressed appropriately or is something or whatever, and, and, I'm, and, and, and I'm honest with myself, I need to look the other way. Come on, somebody. If I'm looking at something on my phone, how many of you know one of the crazy things about our culture we now live in is you can see anything in about three clicks? Exceedingly dangerous. One of the reasons why you want to be careful about giving your kids a smartphone too early in life, and if you do, make sure you put in there appropriate boundaries because an 11-year-old mind is not ready to, to function with what they're going to see on that phone. Amen? All right. 
So, so I will not look upon that, which, which stirs sexual desires. And one of the things that's happened in our culture, listen, pornography is messing people up. It's putting strong sexual desires in single people that they're not sure what to do with. And in marriage, it's making unrealistic expectations of your spouse when you're looking at people who, who, who aren't even realistic, not even real. Come on, somebody, are you listening this morning? Before you click on something, ask yourself why. And by the way, what is pornography? Uh, porno stands for fornication. Graphy is written. It's printed. Fornication is what it is. And listen, if you are married and you know that your spouse is indulging in fornication, or you have strong suspicion, you have every right to say, I will not compete with somebody who's filled with silicon, come on somebody, and is painted, paintbrushed uh, uh, before being put out there, come on somebody. How many of you know we need each other in this battle? And, and let me just say to somebody, I don't say this in a condemning way, I really understand how somebody can get caught in the trap of fornication because it's all around us. I understand. I have, I have great grace for anybody that comes to me and says, Pastor, I need help. I don't, I don't mean to condemn you. But at some point, if the Spirit of God lives in you, he's going to say enough. It's time. Because you eat enough garbage in, and you're going to begin to produce some garbage out. And I can't tell you how many people I've seen set free simply because they humbled themselves, said, I have a problem. I want help. We prayed together, perhaps put some boundaries on their phone. There's apps you can put on your phone to help protect you. And God set them free, and they're living in freedom. Thank God for it. Come on, somebody. Can you say amen? John 8, 32 says, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will. How about this one? Now, the body is not for fornication, but who is it for? It's for the Lord. And one last point, I've said a little bit, but I challenge you in the TV shows that you watch to watch how much sexual acts you're allowing in front of your eyes that are straight out sin in the context they're being showed in. How much of that will you take in before you say enough? All right, number two. Guardrails for sexual intimacy. Number two, I will not dress to flirt. I will not dress to flirt. Listen, if you advertise your assets, you are saying what I advertise is for the taking. If that is not true, then don't advertise. You say, well, pastor, I should be able to wear whatever I want to wear, and if people lust, that's their problem. Okay, now listen. I will agree that there's people out there who would lust if you wore a robe that was three times too large. You understand? There's people who have lust problems. But do you know the Bible actually puts some of that responsibility on you? Say, show me, Pastor. Thank you for asking. All right, here it is. Paul said to Timothy, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. All right, let me, let me walk you through this. You tell me if you agree with me. Okay, so, so men tend to be sexually stirred more by sight and women more by emotion. Okay, okay, can we just get a little more practical, all right? In a marriage, all right, your, your wife begins to, to change. Mm, she's looking good. I mean, you, you know, you're stirred, okay? A woman, if you come home and give your wife a hard time and that night say, hey, honey, 
Not today. Yeah, you understand? Because, because she, she is going to be stirred more by your kindness, your patience, your understanding. That, that is more what, what, what emotionally fills her. Okay, So that being said, I believe that's a God thing. If men tend to be stirred more by sight, and how many of you know there are different parts of your body that are, that are more stirred by than others, you need to be careful about overexposing those parts of your body that have the potential to stir men sexual desires. Might not like to hear it, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to help you this morning. All right? And, and so, so, so be careful. Can I say it another way? Say, go ahead, Pastor. There's some parts of you that only God needs to know and your spouse needs to know. That's it, all right? Um, Sad statistic, all right? Let me catch up here. Sad statistic, I'll read it, then we'll talk about it. 7% of girls, look it up, under the age of 20, say their first sexual experience was a forced one. Okay, pornography is producing that. There's just a lot of factors that are producing a sex-crazed society we don't need to be part of the problem. We need to be part of the solution. I'm going to say it again. We don't need to be part of the problem. We need to be part of the solution. One of the guardrails far from the danger point is don't dress to flirt. My body belongs to God and my spouse, not this world. Guardrail number three. I'm going to get it. I will only date believers who have like values. We'll only date believers. Okay, Rachel and I got to know each other about 11 years old, started dating a number of months after we had met, and it didn't take us long to start having this conversation. Hey, are you committed to sexual purity? Yes, are you committed to sexual purity? Yes, how many of you know if you're gonna date someone, it's okay to ask some hard questions? Oh, you've been a Christian for six years now? Have you kept sexual purity in relationships you've had during those six years? Ouch, it could get real, real, real quiet. Amen. I, I want to date someone that has the same values that I do. I don't want to find myself in a compromising position because of something we never talked about. Come on. L- listen, I have found, and there's other pastors who would confirm this, that couples who keep themselves sexually pure until marriage enjoy a certain blessing on that relationship that others won't find. Now, I'm not saying you can't be forgiven. I'm not saying God can't bless your marriage no matter what. I believe he can. I'm just telling you what I've seen. There's a reason God asks it, and there's a blessing if you obey it. Can you say amen? amen. 2 Corinthians 6.14. There it is. Don't be afraid to ask some hard questions to someone you begin to date. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And let me leave you with this final thought, okay? Men, men, say Men. If there's a man next to you, say, listen up. I believe men, if you're going to say you're a leader, then lead the way in purity. You be the one to say, we're going to keep this relationship pure. You be the one to say, we're going to do things right. You be the one to protect your marriage by putting some guardrails around the sexual intimacy of your marriage. Hello. Come on, somebody. Perhaps you've never been challenged by a message like this. Can't say that anymore. Yesterday's yesterday. Today's a new day, and today's a great day to say, Lord, with your help, I can begin to keep desires. Let me go back to something I said earlier. Any human desire you have has to have some guardrails around it, 
How many of you have ever run wild with, with some desires? Could, just, could, be, could be eating, could be finances. You understand? You, things got a little out of control. Because any desire, none of you, you're all perfect. Amen. Thank God for the people of Eastern Assembly have every desire under control. Come on, somebody. If you understand, desires can run wild. And we live in a culture where sexual desires are stirred everywhere around us. Then you better take seriously this battle. And you better put some guardrails in place and mean business. You say amen? Now listen, here's how, here's how I want to end this service today. Just a moment, I'm going to have you, uh, I'm bow your heads and I'm going to pray. But when I'm done, this, this, this is for everybody. This, I, this, is, this is for everybody. This isn't just for somebody who might have some struggle. The answer to all these things is us as a church just pursuing Jesus with sincerity and running after him and just letting him have his way in our lives so that desires towards the things of this world begin to fade and new desires begin to arouse in us and say, I want Jesus more than anything in this world. Well, would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning, please, just for a moment. I just want to ask you, what, in light of what you've heard this morning, what is God saying to you? Right now, right as you there, what is God saying to you? God is able to take a message like this and make it very personal to you and you and each one who is here. What's he saying? And how will you respond? Lord, I pray for some, somebody single in the house. Lord, no matter, no matter what happened yesterday, Today would be a day that says, Lord, I'm going to pursue you and believe you to keep me sexually pure. For somebody in the house that's struggling with pornography, might today be their day of freedom. Might you help all of us to put guardrails in place so that we're not stirring things in us unnecessarily that need to be reserved, God, for the marriage bed. Help us, Lord. Now I'm going to say it again. This is for everybody. If the answer for us as a church is just to pursue Jesus more diligently, then I'm going to invite you to get out of your seat and come to this altar and just close this service by us just singing some worship songs, lifting our hands, just saying, Jesus, I want you. I want your desires. Come on, that invitation is for everybody in this room. Would you do it right now? Just come out of your seat. Come on down here. Come on, the answer for helping all of us keep desires under control. It's just getting serious about seeking him, running after him, surrendering to him so that the fruit of self-control comes out of us and empowers us to say no to that which is not pleasing to God and yes to those things that are pleasing to God. Come on, come on, just come out of your seat. Just before you go that way, come this way and spend some time with him today. In Jesus' name, sing it, Wayne.